Hi, and welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. My name is Cassandra Wilder, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and a women's cyclical health expert. This podcast is a space where we demystify all of the bad hormone advice we've been given and instead get back down to the foundations. Your dream of regular, pain-free periods, balanced hormones, and vibrant energy is within reach. Join me and other incredible experts here every single Monday for conversations that are sure to be life-changing. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Cyclical Podcast. I'm sure a lot of you are excited about this episode because it seems like just about everybody is dealing with some sort of a gut problem. I know that I used to deal with severe bloat. I have these pictures where I looked super pregnant and it was hard. When you're dealing with gut struggles, it can feel really isolating and overwhelming. And especially if you're already eating pretty healthy, it can feel extra frustrating because it's like, what else do I cut out? What else am I supposed to do? And, you know, in my world talking about hormones, I love simplifying the foundations for hormone health and making it more applicable and bite-sized so that everyone can start to see changes in their hormone health. And Madison, AKA the gut goddess is basically the equivalent, but as her beautiful name indicates, (laughs) she does all of that with gut health. She simplifies the foundations and makes it so accessible and empowering for everyone, whether they're struggling with IBS, bloat, Crohn's disease, acne, constipation, loose stools. She really is so good at what she does. In this episode, we talk about all things gut health, where a lot of people go wrong, the confusion around probiotics and green powders. We talk about the true foundations to creating a healthy gut. And then we also talk about some really cool things like how to reintroduce dairy and is dairy really bad for your gut? And what about animal proteins? And what about um, gluten? So if you felt really confused about nutrition, especially when it comes to gut health and maybe trying to balance some of your gut things going on, this episode will feel like such a breath of fresh air. Speaking of revolutionizing health, my friends, if you are struggling with PMS, listen up. Jubilance is revolutionizing the world of PMS. It is the most advanced scientific solution for relieving PMS-related symptoms. And the science backs this up. In double-blind, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed clinical trials, just one month of jubilance offered significant relief of PMS-related symptoms like anxiety, irritability, and sadness. I am so impressed with this product, and I think you will be too. And you can take $10 off your first order with code CYCLICAL. And remember, you get a 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping on your first order at jubilance.com. Okay, it is time to talk all things gut health, so let's dive in with Madison, aka the gut goddess. Hi, Madison, aka the gut goddess. <laughs> Welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Thank you. I love your account for a number of reasons, but probably a large part of that is I just really, really, really resonate with your story. I think you and I walked kind of similar paths in terms of trying so many different things to quote, be healthy, like being plant-based, being restricted, cutting out lots of food groups, um, working out excessively. And I think we both pushed ourselves into really imbalanced places in the pursuit of health. And I think that's why your approach is so beautiful now, because you share 
the opposite message that you can be nourished and healthy and restriction doesn't have to play into it. So thank you for just being a voice of reason on the internet when it comes to gut health. Same. (laughs) Yeah. So I'd love to hear some of your story. How did you go from that place of restriction, feeling probably really imbalanced, confused, because you probably thought you were doing everything right to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, long story short, right? I mean, like so many of us, this is, I was doing the very restrictive, typical, typical things in the wellness world for probably about a decade. So for those of you who are not familiar, my main struggles were gut issues, but of course, with those came lots of PMS and hormonal issues, also some mental health issues. And I did kind of the mainstream medical route for a couple of years, was not helpful. I was very dismissed by that. And then after that, like so many people who follow us and listen to our stories, I went down the rabbit hole of, in, of, of natural health. So I did all the different gut healing diets. I took out all the different foods. Um, I took all the different supplements. I saw lots of alternative practitioners and it just felt like years of continue, continued restriction, just, just, yeah, continually restricting different things out of my diet. And of course, like so many people, it's just like, you reach this point where you're like, I still feel like crap. I'm doing all the things right. I'm not eating gluten and dairy and soy and I'm making everything from home and I'm taking all the supplements and I'm doing all these different things on this list that I'm supposed to do, but I'm not feeling better. So something has like got to give. So I bet I, I mean, I, I probably reached that point in about even like 2019 ish. Um, and at that point I think I was, I had just graduated from doing my master's degree. So I was, I was pretty well educated and felt like I knew everything about health, yet I was still struggling with a lot of lingering gut issues. Um, and I remember I was, I think I was basically vegan at that point, but I also was not doing grains or beans. So I was like doing plants, you know, veggies, not a lot of fruit because I was scared of carbs. Um, and then I don't, I mean, I ate nuts and seeds probably. And at that point I was just like, I still feel like crap. I'm doing all the things. There's really nothing else I can eliminate from my diet. And this is just not working for me. So I had to have a really hard conversation with myself and be like, okay, what I'm doing is not working. I need to be open to one, getting support two, changing my mind about some things. And three, like taking a zoomed out approach, because as we all know, it's very easy to get stuck in the whole diet and supplement world. um, When there's so many other aspects of health that influence your life. So those are probably some of the, the things that I really had to start to embrace um when I got to that point where I was just like yeah rock bottom everything was everything that I was doing was literally perfect perfect quote unquote in the health world um yeah so that that kind of started when when I hit that low point of like yeah nothing's working and I I can't really restrict anymore and I'm doing all the Mm -hmm. things but it's not working Mm -hmm. And it's kind of sad that I think for a lot of us, it takes us getting to that rock bottom place before we will shift our beliefs about a few things. Like we hold on to those health kind of dogmatic views Mm -hmm. so, so fiercely. And 
yeah, it's, it's like hard to break away when you've, you know, for years believed whatever that dairy is so bad and it's so inflammatory or meat is like the root cause of evil or whatever. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Can so resonate. What were your big digestive issues you were struggling with? And you mentioned that you kind of went the Western route and then also saw a bunch of natural practitioners. And I guess, was it just like a pill for every ill in both sides? Essentially, yeah. So my main digestive issues, I mean, I was diagnosed with IBS in, oh no, I think it was back in 20, 2011 or something. Um and of course, yes, it was like, okay, you you have IBS. Here is a medication. They didn't even talk to me about anything else aside from medication. Wow. Um, so IBS, but then just tons of food sensitivities. I was bloated every single day, like to the point of like I couldn't do anything about it. I would just – I had to like lay down and sleep. Um, really bad gas, really bad cystic acne like on my face and also like on my back and my legs. Um, really – terrible painful periods um I already said food sensitivities urgency with my poops like I never for probably a decade I didn't really have a normal poop I just it was always looser or didn't feel complete or had undigested food in it um so never a normal bowel movement and then also just a lot of mental health stuff like I felt kind of depressed but also really anxious and um, really irritable and just not steady and stable and grounded like I feel now. So those are some of my my main ones. And and yes, like natural medicine was a bit better than, you know, when I saw regular doctors for a couple of years. But it also was just like, okay, here's a list of foods to eat. Here's a list of foods not to eat. Take these supplements. And that was, that was really it. Um, and of course, like, yes, some of those things and those protocols were helpful, but I still at the end of it, I felt like I had to be so particular about my health. I was scared to travel. Um, I felt like if I made one wrong decision, I would just, you know, have a flare up for a couple weeks. So it felt like my body was not resilient at all to any kind of changes in my environment. And that's such a heavy burden to carry. You feel like you can't even live and be a human. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's very life, life consuming as so many people that we both work with. It's like these, these issues consume their life for so long mm-hmm. and really affect your day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm sure that resonates with so many people listening, especially the part where you feel like you're doing everything right and yet mm-hmm. nothing's getting better. And like you said, at some point you get to where it's like, I can't eliminate anything else. I can't yeah. fathom taking another supplement. Mm-hmm. And what do I do? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, But first, I wanted to talk about this interesting kind of perspective on the internet. Like when I'm on Instagram, scrolling on reels, you know, there are a lot of influencers out there that try to normalize certain symptoms. Like Mm -hmm. they'll show their like after dinner bloat or Mm. acne or food sensitivities. So they kind of normalize like, see, it happens to me too. It's fine. And while I think it's you know, kind of good that they're showing a lot of people do struggle with this. Mm -hmm. I don't like that they act like it's just a normal part of life, that if you eat food, you're going to look six months pregnant Mm -hmm. and no big deal. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. I get so (laughs) triggered by these, these types of accounts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then of course, in the next week, they're selling like a greens powder that they're like, mm-hmm. this cured everything. And so it, it can feel really disingenuous and mm-hmm. probably from a consumer standpoint, really confusing. So confusing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think this is where social media has been. I love social media so much, but I also, at the same time, it, it can be so overwhelming for especially people in the health world because it's just every single day there's something else. There's a new supplement. There's a new thing to avoid. There's a new protocol to try. And it's, yeah, it's like, you know, you if you followed all those things, you would be out thousands of dollars and also probably worse off than you would just like focusing on the, the basics, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, yeah, I think the biggest one that gets me frustrated is the bloating one. I've seen a lot. It's just like, here's my stomach in the morning. It's flat. I feel really good. And then at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, they look six months pregnant. And it's like, this is normal. And it's like, okay, yes, your stomach is going to expand with food, but also you should not be bloated at the end of every single day. It's like, yes, that's, that's common, but it's not normal. And and the greens powders too. I mean, I think that's, that comes a lot with the bloat stuff. It's like, you know, put this green powder in your diet and it's going to fix your bloat in 30 days. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Actually, that can make it worse for some people. Um, and like you said, I think it's important to talk about because I mean, when I was struggling with gut issues, I didn't have social media. I really had no, I didn't really even, I didn't really have support from practitioners but also like I didn't really know that other people were struggling like I was so I think it's great that there's people kind of normalizing and talking about these symptoms but it does come off as like this is normal like I also have this too um which again it's like it's normalizing these things that are that are common but absolutely not normal and you shouldn't you don't have to have to accept as part of your your reality and the one that gets me the most too is the the whole hot girls have IBS I'm just like <laughs> no there's a reason hot girls have IBS you know there's there's so much to that and it's not cool to have IBS it's not fun to like think you're gonna poop your pants and have to rush to the bathroom like let's let's normalize getting support and help and figuring out the underlying causes of this and not having to deal with all these things yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> you should you should make the new hashtag like hot girls get to the root of their gut issues. Or, oh my god. Or something, you know. Yes. <laughs> Post inspiration. Hot girls do not have IBS. Exactly. Hot girls take care of their gut health. Yes, and I reverse it. it even when their doctors say you can't. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Post idea. Okay. Yep, it's coming. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of all this. Let's talk about some of the conflicting info out there about gut health before we talk about your approach. Because, sure. you know, for example, the greens powders, people tell you fiber, 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 mm-hmm. more vegetables, more salads, more leafy greens. But what I've learned from you and following you is that that actually can be more aggravating. So mm-hmm. what is your approach to this whole confusing topic? Yeah. I mean, I would say for anyone listening, it's just like if there's something that sounds too good to be true and if there's one product claiming to fix all of your digestive issues, like it's it's definitely too good to be true. I 
I would say some of, like you said, some of the main things that people recommend or doctors recommend, I mean, the number one is fiber. It's like, I actually never recommend taking a fiber supplement to any of my clients. You can get plenty of fiber through food that's easier to digest it. Um, and fiber for a lot of people can actually make their symptoms worse, especially if you have SIBO, a small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, or things like candida, um, or lots of gas and bloating. More fiber can actually make your symptoms worse. So that's that's one that I'm like, okay, yeah, fiber don't even worry about it. The same with probiotics. It's like, there's so much to consider with probiotics is like, I think in the health world, we've tried to isolate these one things, you know, there's this one strain of probiotics that's supposed to do this one thing. And it's like, your body is, is incredibly intelligent. You have an entire ecosystem of your own unique bacteria in your gut. And you, you can, can't really modify it by taking a probiotic every single day. It's like, yes, maybe to some extent those, those can be useful, um, you know, in certain circumstances, but for the most part, a, a probiotic supplement, if that's your plan, that's, that's really not moving the needle very far in, in your gut health. Um, and it's the same with things like taking out a lot of things. Like I think dairy and gluten, um, those are the two main big ones that people take out if they have gut issues. And I think a lot of people can feel better initially, but also if anyone's anything like me, yeah, I took those foods out and I might've felt a little bit better, but it really, it didn't solve the underlying cause. Um, and the reality is you should be able to tolerate dairy and gluten um, if you have really good gut health. I mean, I eat dairy every single day with every single meal now, and I avoided it for six years. Same with gluten. I mean, of course there's nuance and things to consider when you're eating those things, but really those, the fiber and the probiotics and taking out more things in your diet, it's like, yes, those are, those are probably very temporary. Um, not even, I don't even want to say fixes. They're, they might support you a little bit, but the reality is those, you shouldn't have to take supplements to have good gut health. And you also shouldn't have to take out a bunch of foods to have good gut health. Can we put that on a billboard, please? <laughs> right. Like, uh, yeah. And that was the number one question I got when I asked people, yeah, is there a question you would ask a gut practitioner if you could? And overwhelmingly, the biggest question was, should I take a probiotic? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, it's just, yeah, probiotics are are great, but also you can get probiotics from playing in the dirt outside, you know, and going out in nature and eating fermented foods or eating local foods to you. Like there's, there's probiotics and also things that affect your, your gut bacteria that are not in a pill bottle at the health food store. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, there's so many other things to consider with your, with the bacteria in your gut, even, even your, like your stress levels that affects your gut bugs. They're constantly changing and constantly uh, responding to your environment. Um, so taking a probiotic on a day-to-day basis is, is really, again, like not, it's not moving the needle that much. I rarely recommend them in my practice. Yeah. And that's, I think the refreshing perspective that everyone wants to hear. It's that zoomed out approach where, yeah, we stop focusing on something in a bottle to fix us and instead Mm -hmm. look at everything. Cause if you're stressed all the time and you're not eating enough, and you're maybe not eating a variety of foods. You're living mm-hmm. on the same couple foods every day. Yep. How do we think a probiotic can really solve a problem? Exactly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the red meat piece, which I'm sure someone's going to cancel me now if we talk about <laughs> this, but whatever. Um, yeah. The people that even claim that eating meat is bad for your gut health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say I eat red meat every single day. I've never felt better. Um, and again, it's like there are these statements out there in online and it's like red meat is bad for your gut health. And it's like, okay, let's actually unpack that. What kind of red meat are you eating? Who are they doing these studies on? What else is, is that person eating? What is their li- diet and lifestyle like? How's their gut health? How's their stomach acid? Um, how often, like, there's just so many questions behind that. And it's so easy to just be like, okay, it's, it's really easy to, to see a statement in, in kind of, I think that, that helps us manage stress, right? If there's, if something is just like black and white, that's, that's easy. It's easy to just be like, okay, red meat's bad. I'm going to focus on these things rather than looking at the nuance behind literally everything in the health world. Um, because yeah, red meat can actually be really nutritious for so many people. I mean, if you have really, if you have stomach acid, which is really important to digesting red meat, um, you're getting so much good bioavailable, easy to digest iron and zinc and B vitamins. Like red meat can be incredibly nourishing, um, for people with gut issues. Because if you think about the gut, it's absorbing and digesting and assimilating all of your food. And if your gut has been impaired for years, it's like your body really needs some really nutrient-dense foods to kind of rebuild and make you feel strong and healthy. And red meat is one of those things that does that. Um, I mean, I feel an immediate difference when I eat red meat compared to Mm -hmm. chicken or fish or turkey. Like I feel... I feel more like vital and energized, um, especially after my period. I like yes. since I've lost so much blood, I'm like, oh my god, I needed this this steak or this ground beef or whatever it is, lamb and pork and yeah, it's just there's so much nuance to it. Um, so no, red meat is not terrible for your gut health. It just depends on how your gut's functioning. If you have really good stomach acid. Um, and also just your overall nutritional status because some people, yeah, some people need, some people need red meat. So again, Mm -hmm. so much nuance. It's not as like this causes this. It's, it's never that way in the health world, which again, it's so overwhelming. That's why it's like everyone's trying to be their own coach and, and study health on their own. And it's like, let the health, the people in the health world, like, do their, you know, we not saying like we know it all, but like we've been in this world for years. We've done the research. We've looked at studies. We've been to school. We help people on a day-to-day basis with all of this. Like, don't worry about all these confusing things. Like, let us take the stress off of you. And, and I guess I feel like so many people are just, they try to know it all because they, they are trying to, you know, essentially save their health but it's like hire someone or look to the people who you trust and like let them take that stress off of you to do the research yes yeah yeah because you can't know everything and even as practitioners you know I'm sure there's areas that if you or I were struggling we would go to the expert 100 percent yeah we can't know everything exactly yeah 
Yeah, I'm so glad that we got to talk about the red meat piece because that's so big. And I'm glad you brought up the stomach acid piece. And to just like finalize that little topic, I just think it's so interesting too that being plant-based for a number of years actually depletes stomach acid, which is why it's so hard when Uh you've been plant-based then to add in meat. So many people say, oh, I can't, I just don't digest it well, but it's because you were plant-based and it's a whole interesting thing to me, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. So even like you lose your taste for red meat. It's like Mm. a lot of people who have low stomach acid, they don't, they're kind of repulsed by red meat because they don't have a lot of good stomach acid to digest it. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's like this interesting loop we can get stuck in. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of demystified a few things that I think keep people feeling confused and like in that analysis paralysis of where, what do I do? Do I buy the probiotic? Do I buy the greens powder? What do I do? So what is your approach to gut health? How did you transform your health and what do you do with your clients that makes gut health like actually possible? Yeah. I mean, it's going to sound so simple to people, but it's like really getting back to the basics. Um, so I'll just say in my practice, we we focus on what I call the five fundamentals for gut health or for gut healing, which are nutrition and stress and light and movement and mindset. So we just go through all those different fundamental things and it's like, okay, for nutrition, are you eating enough? You know, so many people are under eating. Are you eating enough protein? Are you eating really easy to digest nutrient dense foods? Are you eating at a good frequency throughout the day? Um, and with stress, I mean, stress, we could talk a whole podcast about it, but I go with, I go over the entire digestive system with my clients and we talk about the brain and the nervous system and supporting good stomach acid and supporting liver function and moving through every single step of the process to just make sure your body's uh, organ systems are not stressed out so that you can just digest better. Um, and then the whole light and movement is related to like sleep and your circadian rhythm um, and movement being like making sure you're doing the right types of movement and exercise. And then the whole mindset piece is just making sure that this whole protocol is is enjoyable and pleasurable and sustainable. Um, so that's that's a short summary, but it's again, it's like, it's a zoomed out approach. It's not just about nutrition and supplements. Like that is one pillar, but then it's like, okay, how's your stress? Uh, do you like your partner, whoever you're with? Do you like your living situation? Do you have joy and pleasure on a day-to-day basis? Do you exercise and move your body in a really health supportive way daily? Um, do you like food? Do you like health? Like, how do you feel about your health? Like just getting into all of these other aspects of, of your gut health. Um, are what has been game changer for me. Of course, yes, the again, the nutrition piece is, is part of it, but it's it's making sure that your body's functioning well and all these other things on a day-to-day basis are you're you're doing them in a way that also supports your gut health because literally everything that you do on a day-to-day basis affects your gut essentially. Yeah. I just know some people are hearing this like how could it be that easy? What do you mean? Like how, how can the foundations be that simple? But I really find true healing does come from the simplicity. It really does. Yeah. And I, and I don't think a lot of people like to hear that because in a way it's simple, but it's not easy. Right. Cause I could tell your podcast listeners, like 
you know, here are the 15 things that you need to do on a day-to-day basis to make sure you have amazing gut health. And there's no way that someone's just going to like flip a switch and do all those things, right? Um, so it sounds easy and it really is it's it's simple in a way but it's not easy right the the managing your stress piece like that's huge sounds easy it's like okay yeah i need to manage my stress but what does that look like it's like actually you kind of need to shift the entirety of your day around like you probably need to break up with your boyfriend or like quit your job or move to a state you actually like or maybe see a therapist or you know it's just like we we get into these other things or even just something as simple as eating enough i really struggled with that at first because I was restricting foods and it was kind of scary to reintroduce certain foods and I for years I was never eating enough food and it was just like I kind of had to like set a timer and be like okay I need to stop what I'm doing and I need to like eat something and it took years for me to kind of get into a rhythm of just like feeding my body enough on a day-to-day basis so it sounds really simple but it also those those things the basic fundamental things do take Uh, work and practice and commitment too. Yeah, the commitment piece is big to really follow through and continue doing it so you can really see, yeah, what's possible. Can you share like an example? It could be of your own health or maybe a client. Um, But when I work with women that have gut issues, you know, usually it's the same couple things like they're bloated, Mm -hmm. they have a little bit of acne on their chin. Mm-hmm. And maybe they only poop twice a week. It's like mm. probably the most common thing I see anyway. How do these foundations then apply in that setting? Like how are you supporting them in implementing this? And what kind of transformations do they see? Yeah. So we kind of just go through all those fundamentals. So for your example, I mean, it sounds like that person, whoever it is, is very constipated, right? You should not be pooping twice a week. You should be pooping at least once a day. Um, And so, yeah, the fundamentals are, are really the same for a lot of people. I mean, we can get specific depending on the person, but as an example, right, you know, with nutrition, with constipation, you know, something that's so common is that a lot of women who are constipated, they're literally not, they're just simply not eating enough to make a stool that's large enough to pass through the system in one day. Um, so it's like, again, back to the fundamentals. Okay, let's first make sure that you're eating enough. Um, that's huge. And that could honestly, in and of itself, maybe take care of the problem. Um, so I would start with something like that. And then Another piece with the nutrition is uh, carbohydrates. A lot of people are very scared of carbohydrates, but really good carbs, things like fruit and root veggies and sourdough bread and white rice, those things support thyroid function, which is very important for your motility. So making sure food is moving through your system at a good rate. And so if someone's constipated, I'm like, let's make sure you're eating lots of really good carbs throughout the day to support your thyroid function so that things are moving through your system. Um, And then kind of down to the stress piece. It's like, okay, constipation, let's make sure, you know, your nervous system, which is really controlling your digestive system, is supported. And that could look like a million different things. It could look like incorporating some breath work before a meal. It could look like having a morning meditation or doing some more self-care throughout your week. Um, could be as simple as that could be simple as taking a couple more breaks throughout the day 
and getting some sunlight, like anything to really nourish and support your body to chill out, that can be a huge, uh, that can be really helpful for constipation because your body, uh, your nervous system is also, it's controlling how fast or slow things are moving through your system. So I know when I'm like traveling or stressed, I tend to be more constipated, which mm-hmm. makes sense. It's like my body's senses some kind of stressor. And so it's holding on to stool. So again, kind of moving through, through the stress piece, making sure, you know, your nervous system is supported. Um, also making sure your stomach acid is, is supported too, making sure you're having bitter foods and you're chewing your food really well. And also, also your liver and gallbladder are supported. And that could be, again, simple things, eating enough protein, eating enough fat, um, maybe incorporating some, some supportive liver herbs like dandelion or nettle. Um, and then with the movement piece, you know, that is another with constipation. Again, it's like a, a short walk after a meal can be game changer for com- constipation. It's helping kind of move things through your system. Um, and also not doing so much cardio. That could be a factor in constipation too, is uh, that's can be very stressful if you're doing if you're running every day, doing tons and tons of intense cardio every day. Um, so as you can kind of see, it's like we kind of with with whatever case, you know, it is, whether it's someone with bloating or constipation or diarrhea or IBD or whatever it is, we kind of move through those fundamentals. And a lot of just getting back to the basics will help every single symptom. And of course, again, people, we can get more specific with it. Um, but for the most part, like if you do the fundamentals on a consistent basis, it's and you give it some time, it's like your body knows exactly what to do. And um, yeah, people get amazing results. And it's it's crazy because a lot of clients come to me and uh, it feels like they, they want me to write them up this massive protocol and tell them what supplements to take. And I'm just like, let's, we're taking this super slow. Let's start with food stuff. Let's talk about food stuff. Let's make sure you're eating enough make sure you're, you know, all these bare bones things are being taken care of. And then they start to see things shift in a couple weeks. And they're like, Oh, my God, I didn't realize like, I was never eating enough. I wasn't eating enough protein. And um, it's just, again, getting back to the basics sounds so easy and simple that it doesn't feel like it's gonna work. But then you do it for a couple weeks. And it's just, it's crazy. When you give your body what it wants, then it just, it knows exactly what to do and how to balance itself out. So Mm -hmm. yeah, hopefully that all made sense. Totally. It's just helpful to see kind of it in action. And as you were going through all that, it just makes so much sense why so many women do have these symptoms, why it is so common. You know, we're often not eating enough. Women are often afraid of carbs. Mm -hmm. Women are often opting for intense cardio. Most women are stressed. Like no wonder (laughs) it boils down to one day we're bloated all the time and we have acne and Mm -hmm. our hormones are a mess. Like Mm -hmm. it's just how the cookie crumbles. Yeah. I know a lot of people wanted us to talk about dairy and gluten. Okay. The big scary foods. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so scary. Um, especially with dairy, let's start with that one because, uh, a lot of women feel like that especially seems to bother them. Um, and at least in my experience, when I talk to women that say that they haven't had it in years. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I wonder like, 
what would happen, you know, if mm -hmm. you had a little yogurt or something, but for most of them, they've avoided it for so long. They're like, I don't know. But the last time I had it, I was bloated or had diarrhea or I had some sort of a bad reaction. So they're curious, is dairy really bad? And if it's not, how do you reintroduce it? Ooh, okay. Dairy is not bad. I used to be in the, the school of dairy is inflammatory and I'm never having dairy again. <laughs> and dairy, no one should be drinking milk after their baby. Like I totally get all that. I was <laughs> hardcore vegan for many years. Um, and the thing that's, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, a lot of people like I did, I took out dairy knowing like, oh, it just is, I heard it was bad. And I heard that, uh, you know, I shouldn't be eating it, but I, I don't honestly don't remember that many symptoms resolving out when I took out dairy. I mean, I, I did have, I did have some reactions to dairy, but at that point I was reacting to everything. So it's like, was it the dairy? Was it the stress? Was it the, there's so many other things that were going on. Um, so yeah, there's a couple things to consider with dairy. The first one is your gut health, right? So lactase, the lactase enzyme, which helps you digest lactose, which is in dairy, a lot of dairy products, um, you produce that in your small intestine. And so if your small intestine is really irritated and inflamed and your your gut lining is, is compromised, which there's so many things that can do that, um, of course, you're, you're probably going to react to dairy. So that's, that's the first thing to consider is like, okay, where's your gut health at? Yes, it might actually be beneficial to avoid it for a little bit um, as you work on really supporting your overall digestive, digestive system so that you can actually digest it. Um, so that's a big one is just how's your own gut health. And of course, if you're struggling with your gut, you need to do some work around healing and, you know, maybe taking out some things that are irritating it and then you can tolerate dairy. Um and you can maybe speak to this one too. I know there's a big connection with hormones and dairy consumption, like low progesterone. I know that progesterone, having low progesterone can impact your ability to digest dairy. Mm -hmm. So that's another one with the hormonal piece. And thyroid um, function too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Low thyroid function is a big one. So your hormones that can impact your ability to digest dairy and also the quality of dairy. I mean, most dairy products out there are... Um, they're adding artificial vitamin A and vitamin, vitamin D or like in ice cream, there's like guar gum and all sorts of weird added sweeteners and thickeners. And most dairy products that people are consuming tend to have additional additives. So that's a factor too. It's, um, it's often not the dairy itself. It's what we've done to it. We've pasteurized it, we've homogenized it, and then we've added all these other weird uh, gums and thickeners to dairy products. So that's, mm -hmm. I would say those are the biggest three things to consider with dairy are your own gut health, um, your hormone, hormonal balance, and also the quality and the type of dairy that you're consuming. Yep. Totally agree. Obviously you and I are obsessed with raw milk. Yes. Obviously. Oh, every day. It's <laughs> so yummy. Yes. Um, but sometimes, yeah, sometimes people do the raw milk and they feel great. They have no reactions and they're so shocked because like you said, they they were really reacting to all the other stuff, mm -hmm. but sometimes people still will react to the raw milk. And so while they're working on their gut health, their hormone health, everything that you were saying, 
Is there a good starting place to add in dairy? Yeah. I mean, I always have clients, like you said, kind of work on the fundamentals first, like manage your stress, really support your small intestine with like things like bone broth or getting, getting rid of some of those harder to digest foods, things like uh, grains, beans, nuts, and seeds, tons of raw veggies, um, work on the hormone piece. And then, yeah, when they're reintroducing, I always have people start with ghee, which is a clarified butter. So it's pretty well tolerated by most people. There's no uh, whey or casein or lactose in it. So it's just the milk fat. So that's a really easy, good place to start. Um, and ghee is actually really, really good for also supporting the healing of your gut lining. So can be actually supportive of helping you bring in more dairy products. So I always have people start with ghee. Um, and there's the timeline is totally different. I had a client who reintroduced all dairy in a month. Um, when I was reintroducing dairy, it took me like, I don't know, six-ish months. So ghee, I would totally start with ghee, do that, see how you feel. Um, ease into things like butter and cream. Um, and also with the additives, make sure you're looking for a cream that does not contain gums. So most creams or heavy creams have carrageenan or guar gum. Ideally, you wouldn't have that in there. And then you can kind of get into your like harder aged cheeses, things like Parmesan or like a aged cheddar. Um, you can also experiment with like sheep's and goat's products. Those are great. Um, goat's milk cheese or goat or sheep cheese. And then kind of getting into your more fermented ones, things like kefir and yogurt. And then kind of getting into your softer cheeses, things like feta or mozzarella. And then milk is kind of your last step. So that's kind of the, the flow of what I teach my clients to do. Of course, there's a little bit more to it. But for the most part, you want to just start, you just really want to ease into it. I think that's the problem that most people, um, that often happens is most people just kind of dive right in and, you know, drink a glass of milk. And it's like, Ugh, that's kind of a lot for your system, especially if you haven't been, if you haven't had it for years. I have a client now who hasn't had dairy in like six or seven years. Um, and she's starting with ghee and she started with butter and she's been doing cream and this week she's experimenting with some yogurt. So yeah, slow and steady process, but yeah, it can absolutely happen. And I, I don't know what you think. I would love to hear what you think, but I think most people can not only tolerate dairy, but thrive on dairy. Oh, fully agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fully agree. And even when I've had clients in the past that, you know, either just refuse to do dairy or truly seemingly no matter what we do can tolerate it well. Mm -hmm. It also just complicates the ability to get in adequate protein and adequate nutrients, you know, and I think that's what yep. people forget is dairy really is a superfood when it's of a quality, um, you know, product. And if you don't do dairy, so you won't do cottage cheese, milk, yogurt, that really limits in some ways, like how we're going to be able to move forward with the healing process. Yeah, it really does. Almond milk is not the same. <laughs> <laughs> in taste or nutrition, like yeah. nothing, literally, literally nothing compares. Yeah. 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 Dairy is incredible. Dark times, dark times of my life when I was afraid of it. Mm, I know. How long, <laughs> how long was it for you that you avoided dairy? I'm embarrassed to admit this because 
I was always really fascinated with health, even when I was really young. This is probably borders on, it doesn't border. This was like dysfunctional and unhealthy, but I would was like 10 years old reading my mom's diet books just Whoa. because I thought it was interesting, all the different theories. Like this guy says carbs are bad. This guy says fat is bad. Like I just thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. But I remember being like 12 and um, going to Costco with my family and just deciding that from now on, I would only drink soy milk. Because that's what was really cool back then, soy milk. Yes. And um, so from like 12 to, I don't know, 20, maybe longer. Wow. I only did soy milk and then almond milk when that was cool. And then oat milk when that was cool. Oh, no. Yeah. And yeah, it's disturbing for sure. Just to see that, yeah, I was so impressionable and... Even, you know, doing my undergrad in health and nutrition, I was taught that you don't need dairy and that you can get all that nutrition from plant-based milks. Wow. Which is a lie. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I could keep going on that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's crazy. That's so young. Yeah. But it makes sense. It's like, I just think about like the got milk ads uh, as a kid and it's just <laughs> yes. like I actually think that that that's that's like I mean of course they're not promoting like the best quality milk but also it's like yeah that's dairy is still part of the my plate uh which is surprising to me that they haven't mm-hmm. I mean yeah it's it seems almost more like in the alternative realm dairy is more demonized than in the kind of mainstream medical world which I find really fascinating. That is odd. I've never really thought about that. It's all smoke and mirrors, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And probably I would not be surprised with how things are going. Probably in the next few years, the food pyramid thing is going to change and suddenly Mm -hmm. dairy is going to be bad. And then the more holistic side is going to be like, actually, dairy is incredible. And yeah, yeah, it's all going to switch around, I guess. Yeah. Always changing. Mm hmm. I'm sure your approach to gluten is the same. It really matters on quality and other ingredients. Like I just, yeah, every time I go to Whole Foods, I'm so put off by their quote sourdough mm-hmm. because it's not fermented. It has like 30 ingredients. But mm-hmm. if you didn't know that as a consumer, you'd pick it up and think, sweet, I got some amazing sourdough that's good for my gut. Yep. Yeah. Gluten is very similar to dairy. It's just like it, I think gluten almost is more so demonized in the gut health world because I mean, yeah, it's just like I thought too, I haven't had gluten in eight years and I just reintroduced sourdough bread this year. So that's fairly new and I have no reactions to it, which is crazy. Um, but I'm loving it. And again, it's like, it all depends on your own gut health and your own system and also the quality. Yeah. That's, it's crazy to me that breads can say sourdough on them, but then you look at the ingredients and there's, yeah, like I said, 13 to 30 ingredients in there and yeast in there. And it's like, this is, this is totally defeating the purpose of sourdough. It should be three ingredients, flour, water, and salt. And that's literally it. Um, and again, it depends on the quality of the the um, flour too. It's like, where are they getting it from? Has it been sprayed with pesticides? But it's, yeah, there's so many different things to consider. It's always interesting to hear from people who travel to Europe and they can totally eat bread, no problem. But then they're here and it's like, they totally react to it. So it just goes to show 
again, there's so much nuance to it. Uh, depends on so many other factors. Yeah, I'm glad you're saying that because we get really black and white in the health world that this is good and this is bad. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of layers to all of this. So yeah, are you really reacting to dairy and gluten or could it be all these other factors? Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like most people, yes, can react to those for sure. Not to deny that that people can't, but also that doesn't mean you should take them out forever. It's like your body should be resilient enough and your gut should be resilient enough to tolerate all foods. And I'm even saying like, yeah, you should be able to go out and eat like bar food and like not feel, you know, off for three weeks, which that's how I used to feel. I feel like I could never go out to eat not saying like go out to eat all the time, but your body should be resilient enough to eat really. Of course, the majority of your diet should be really nutrient dense and simple, but should be able to be resilient to other foods too. Yeah. We're all human. We should be able to go to a wedding or yeah, out to a bar or something and be able to just have fun for a night and not pay for it for weeks. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it sounds like taking this approach nourishing your body, focusing on the foundations has like really changed everything from how you eat out to how you see friends. Like, I think that's what people don't understand that maybe haven't dealt with a chronic illness or chronic imbalance like that. When you're in it, it does take so much from you just to Mm -hmm. function. And you're always afraid and overanalyzing everything Mm -hmm. because you don't want to make things worse. Exactly. Yeah, it's very, it's a lot of mental energy behind all of it, for sure. And it's like now, nowadays, the past couple years, I mean, yes, I'm thinking about health, obviously, because it's what I do. But also, it's not this thing that's stressful and consuming. It's like, it's fun, because I get to experiment with new foods that I haven't eaten for years. And and like feel really good in my body. And so, yes, it still will always be in a, a priority and take up mental energy, but it's just different when it's, yeah, consuming, consuming your day-to-day life and really affecting where you go and what you eat and all those things. Mm-hmm. So now as a gut nutritionist and with your new approach to gut healing, I'd love to hear like, what is your breakfast like, or what are your go-to foods that you maybe never once thought you would enjoy? Ooh, yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned this because I, um, I do eat breakfast all the time, every single day, which I used to not. So breakfast is important for me. It's like my favorite meal of the day. Um, what I eat for breakfast is usually eggs and some kind of sausage and uh, I've been eating sourdough bread every single morning with a little bit of butter and honey and salt mm. and maybe some fruit. That could be whatever's seasonal. We've been eating peaches and plums. So, yeah, that's usually every single day. And that, like, I'm salivating thinking about that. Like, that so good. is the best. Yes. Yeah. That's what's funny. When I think back, there was, like, a time where I tried to be raw vegan <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> Just so hard. Um, but you know, you can try to make like a raw vegan quiche or I don't know, you know, they they try to like make Ooh, yeah. normal foods but with raw food ingredients. And obviously it's never as good and it's never as satiating and it's so much work and so much effort. And 
it's just, it's hard to not laugh now and to be like, wow, all the simple healing foods were right in front of me, but Uh my belief was that they were so bad. Uh Oh yeah. I tried to recreate eggs and uh, like meat alternatives when I was vegan and tried to recreate this meal. And it's like, actually I can just eat this meal in and use the real ingredients. I can use real butter instead of this fake vegan butter and real eggs instead of fake eggs and real sausage instead of this alternative meat sausage. It's, it's just crazy. It's so much more simple. Um, but yeah, I thought it, I thought that was the, the worst thing for my gut were all those foods, but now it's like, yeah, every morning. Yeah. Very protein dense, protein, carbs, good fats. And it's, I would say breakfast is probably my biggest meal of the day. I love that you always post your breakfasts in the morning because they always look so good and it's, yeah, it's simple. And, and I guess we should clarify too, obviously we're not making fun of anyone that's plant-based. We're obviously not throwing any shade, but I think it is kind of an evolution that at some point, most people that are plant-based find themselves not feeling well and dealing with a lot of symptoms. And for a lot of people, they find relief in transitioning back to more of like an ancestral diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also feel like we can talk about it because we've been there. Like we get it. I'm right. I, yeah, we've been there. We totally get the perspective. I mean, I was vegan mostly for the morals behind it, not necessarily the nutrition behind it. And then I, that was kind of later, but yeah, I like want to give my past self a hug cause I was doing the best that I could at that time. And, and I was trying and I was really like, I, I tried for years to make it work despite symptoms that kept coming up, but yeah, just, I think, yeah, we all have our own evolution to, to that, to our diets. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear, I'm sure there's so many women that are listening to this feeling like, okay, there's some foundational things that Madison's recommending. I'm so tired of dealing with these symptoms. Um, Maybe they've seen a number of doctors and I think they're probably just feeling like, how, how do I do any of this? Do you have any, you know, little nuggets of wisdom or anything you'd say to someone that's struggling and feels overwhelmed about all the information and where to really start? Mm -hmm. I mean, first piece of advice is stop consuming information. It's like, that's, if, if someone's in this world, it's likely they know a lot already. Like you, I feel like so many of my clients, they come to me and they're really knowledgeable about health and wellness. And it's almost just like, telling them to stop consuming information because you already know enough and knowing more information is not going to necessarily help you. Um, of course, some of it can, but that's one thing is just to like, and that can really help with the stress piece. I would say one of the number one things that was supportive in my gut healing journey was, was the stress piece. I was over consuming information. I was trying to do so many things at once. My schedule was so booked I was working a job that was really stressful. I was in a stressful relationship. I did not have any free time. I was rushing through all my meals. I hated food. So there's there's so many layers to that. Um, but that was that was probably one of the biggest pieces of my of my gut healing, which took some time. It wasn't like overnight. All of that shifted. But anything that you can do to manage your stress, to mitigate some of your stress, to slow down in life and slow down with your meals and reclaim the beauty and pleasure that meals can be like that, that is one of the 
the things that I don't think enough people are talking about um, is, is that the stress piece. And I guess the other one would be to, I mean, this is, this is kind of random, but just like track your food, see if you're eating enough. Um, because that's to me is more important than the types of foods that you're eating. If you're eating enough protein and fats and carbs, um, I would say, you know, most, most people need to be consuming at least 1800 calories and about a hundred grams or more of protein, um, 200 grams of carbs per day coming from really good sources. And if you're just eyeballing it, you could be overeating, you could be undereating, who knows? So that's another thing is to just, aside from all the foods of like, eat this, not that, it's like, make sure you're eating enough. I don't care what you're eating, like eating enough and eating often enough, um, you know, eating breakfast and eating every three to four hours throughout the day, that's more important and more of a priority to me than the types of foods that someone is consuming. Um, so I would say those are my, probably the top two things is track your food, make sure you're eating at least a hundred grams of protein throughout the day total split up in between meals, at least 1800 calories, if not more, especially if you're breastfeeding, pregnant, uh, active, and then really take a big assessment and look at your stress, especially around your meal time. Amazing words of wisdom yeah. and very doable. Yeah. And often tracking really is illuminating. I, so many people I work with are like, no, you know, I eat enough. And I'm like, okay, well, will you just track just for a few days? Let's just see. Yeah. And it's so common. They're like, oh my God, I'm eating 1300 calories yeah. a day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I have loved talking to you today. Where can everyone find you and connect with you? And do you have any offerings right now? Yes, yeah, so you can find me. I mostly hang out on Instagram. So my handle is the gut goddess. Uh, you can also find also find me on my website, thegutgoddess.com. Um, I currently do one-on-one coaching. I have a four-month program that I offer that I do. And so that's always open. I'm taking clients if it's a good fit. And then I also do a group program called the Gut Goddess Academy, which is the doors are closed, but uh, that will be opening up again probably early next year. Amazing. Everyone go follow her. Her account's so good. So good. Thank you. Mm. Same to you. It's been so good to connect. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you so much to everyone that's listening. If you love this episode, you can tag Madison and I on Instagram. We love hearing from you and we will see you soon in the next episode. Thank you.